Hi, welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. I'm your host, Malachi Greb. Today, we have a special guest today, the Vice President and 26-year tenure, Rick Brower. Hey, Malachi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so uh, I know the calendar year is winding down for everyone here. Uh, certainly, it's hard to the finish for us. I'm sure the same for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's always an interesting time of the year for, for systems integrators. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, certainly um, we, we've always been in a unique situation, uh, heavily involved around Section 179 and automation and kind of an easy last minute purchase or pickup at the end of the year, getting something on the floor uh, in, in order to take uh, full advantage of Section 179. However, you know, I think uh, the dynamics of this year has been a little different with that. So a lot of people were more conscious uh, and, and certainly uh, we're ahead of schedule in November, so I'm super excited to have you on. With being being uh, in your position for 26 years now, uh, I love to see individuals who've just had long tenures of their career. Uh, it's something super honorable and uh, definitely tons and tons of experience and value. Been a long road. Certainly uh, started in the uh, mid 90s in Chicago, Illinois, as a field service technician uh, with the company. And um, there's nothing more rewarding than that position uh, to completely understand the systems, really to understand manufacturing processes as a whole, and then to understand basic integration between um, machines. And certainly my roots still today are heavily tied to service and even, uh, you know, machine design and implementation on our equipment. So. Uh, yeah, long road, everywhere from service technician, regional sales manager, operations manager. We even actually had a product change uh, mid-career where the company had to um, reboot and start over with a different product. Uh, and so there were a three to five years of heavy rebuilding uh, before moving into a national sales manager role and um, now into the vice president where I'm, I'm heavily involved in every aspect of the company. So. Awesome. How do you like being the vice president of a company? It's lonely at the top. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. It's uh, it's certainly a challenge um, because there's really the day to day at this point is everything from making sure that a customer gets a timely schedule for an installation to an accurate shipment. And then, of course, working with our support our suppliers and our supply chain to make sure that we, we have product that's ready to go. Um, as, as distribution, it's very interesting the way our process works is we have a lot of stock product. However, the product is not Home Depot stock ready to go off the shelf. It's really requires a lot of, uh, it needs to be touched through a production department where it can be wired specific to a machine tool that it's being integrated on, mm -hmm. adjusted, to the center height, machine components that adapt the machines together. So uh, th there's a lot of moving parts in our in our company. Uh, we're still a small company, you know, we're just under 100 employees. Uh, but at the end of the day, we hang our hat on sales and service. And so a happy customer is a repeat customer. And that's really, in today's world, the most important part of us is to be able to have regional people in those hotbeds so that we can react rather quickly to any needs a customer may have. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think in our line of work, like if you can't, if you don't have repeat customers, you don't have a business. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. Um, uh, and you know, every customer for us, whether it's one machine or, or a hundred machines gets treated equally. So, um, absolutely. so yeah, where did, where did, uh, your, your fascination for automation and manufacturing come from? I mean, it's, it's really a great, uh, it's a great question. It, it, it genetically goes way back to really my single digit era in life, uh, being born and raised in central Illinois on a farm and being heavily around a lot of equipment and machinery. And so uh, if anybody has any relatives or family that's ever been involved in farming, you really have to be self-sufficient in that environment. So you, you're forced to learn a lot about things because equipment never really breaks uh, where there's a lot of resources. And so farmers are extremely resourceful and being around that, I think naturally drew, I drove through my, my childhood right into a mechanical engineering uh, degree uh, in Southern Illinois in Carbondale and then had a huge passion. What I was always really uh, thought I was going to do was design water fountains for company uh, like MGM Grand or or the Wynn Hotel or whatever. It's hugely fascinated with uh, laminar and turbulent flow of a fluid. So huh. that's super interesting. <clears throat> what what made you transition from from uh, wanting to get into that? So it's always a great story for myself. Uh, my unemployment in life to today has existed as one day and only one day. Uh, I remember graduating on a, on a Saturday, moving home on a Sunday, interviewing on a Monday and starting on Tuesday uh, at a company where um, was a very interesting company. They own three uh, major aspects um, of manufacturing. They had a foundry and they had a, a, a a place that they could do castings as well, extruded bar stock, and then they had machining. So large companies such as Caterpillar and John Deere could come to the, our company with a print for an intake manifold and we could cast it and we could machine it. And so when I got into the first job in designing processes, I quickly realized that metal cutting and manufacturing was really interesting and just have absolutely stuck with it from that day. So. Wow. That's um, awesome. How long did you stick with that company there? Yeah. So that start that, that, that launch for me was about uh, a four year span. So uh, ironically, uh, the person that I worked with at that company uh, is currently now the president of edge technology. So I've got a 30 year tenure, uh, with with uh, Kevin Meehan and we've been together for thirty years at two companies. So wow, that's awesome. So did did you transition with him into starting this company, or did he already? How did that work out? Uh, he, he actually, uh, we had had a long talk, um, and it was potentially relocating to St. Louis uh, in my mid to early twenties. And at that point, I'd only known the city of Chicago my whole life, uh, and the farm south of that. So it was it was a hard struggle, but uh, certainly the transition was very unique, which was going from a, sh a shirt and tie and a process engineer designing processes, predominantly on oh, some old Akuma LB-15s, if I remember, uh, a lot of hydraulic components that were two chucking operations. 
um, that we then put some LR mates on and really got engaged with some some robotics for simply turning the part around and doing two operations on a single spindle. Mm. And that was hard to give up to go from that type of uh, position to a field service technician. However, the growth and the trust was there. And uh, it's, it's, whether it's a little bit of luck, a lot of passion, uh, it's probably a combination of both has got me to where I'm at. So what do you think that was uh, some of the driving factor to, to helping you take that leap? Um, well, certainly discomfort is one thing really that I think all leaders have had to do at some point in time in life. And that's to kind of take the chance to get out of the comfort zone and to really, um, to see if you can do it. And as a person, I think you really understand who you are. And so you've always had some small situations in life that you've taken a chance and you've always succeeded. And so the decisions just get a little bit bigger and a little bit harder. And I think they always continue through life. But certainly, I think for me, it's just a passion to continuously succeed. I, I, I'm, I cannot, I just, uh, I, I just love to, I, I'm always in growth mode. I just yeah. always want to learn. And that's really the important part for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's a huge, that's a huge, huge thing for me is like, there's almost like something like wrong with my brain, like OCD or something like that, where it's like any second of my waking moment, I feel like I need to be learning something, educating something, consuming something. There's like, there's times where sometimes I have to just like, okay, I need to pause whatever it is I'm trying to learn and just take a second to not have any inputs coming in. Right. Just, uh, I was, I was in another podcast with Dave uh, Griffin and, uh, he said no sensory input. I was like, huh. I need some no sensory input sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely, that that's a that's a true statement, uh, and it's 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 really I think what's really finding a new gear for me now is recognizing the importance of sharing the knowledge um, with other people and certainly within the company. So now I find myself hyper focused on being engaged, whether it's uh, mentoring, tutoring, coaching um, our employees, because I think sharing the knowledge is really the most important part of manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm constantly tied up in, <laughs> in different operations and kind of bouncing around all throughout the company. Um, I kind of miss, I miss that being, being an engineer and, and like just being completely focused on projects occasionally. Um, it's definitely a part that I miss of like my day to day that I don't get near as much of anymore. Um, yeah. Is there I any certainly feel Sorry. the same, especially at this time of the year uh, when maybe some extra va vacations are in, I always find myself wanting to volunteer for those maybe assembly processes on the shop or even a, a field installation. And I'm like, Oh man, I, I think I, I should, I should go help the company and do one, but uh, there's always something, you know, it's, it's good to have those roots and to yeah. be involved. Yeah. With absolutely. That. What, what exactly was your, uh, you know, core focus in the beginning as far as like skill set? Um, 
so uniquely enough, I've always just been a mechanical person. So whether it's from five years old, taking something apart um, and trying to understand how it works, I may not have been able to get it back together at that point in life, but you quickly learn when you start paying for things yourself, if you don't put them back together, they're no good. So uh, automotive, anything automotive related has always been a big thing. I'm not really sure if I've ever paid for paid service on a vehicle at this point in life, but it's, it's, it's certainly getting old doing ball joints and, and brakes and all that on cars. But uh, it's just been a passion to understand mechanical systems. Um, it's really hard to unwire yourself from that. I, yeah. I find myself always, whether it's at a hotel or in a building, maybe it's looking at the trust work, maybe it's looking uh, at, you know, different window design. It's just, uh, it, it's certainly a program of the brain. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that I noticed is like a lot of people who reach a, a high level of success in their career is they've, they found like one thing, they got like really good at it and they kind of stuck, they kind of stuck with whatever that skill set is and then kind of found a way to apply it to different aspects of what they do throughout their career. Yeah, you, you have to continuously hone your craft. Um, and certainly, you know, maybe the segment of my career that I spent the most amount of time in certainly was whether it was regional sales or sales management or sales in general, sales is very artistic um, because every situation is completely different. Even though they may be very similar, the outcome potentially is different or the situation is different. Uh, and so I always compare a sales, a, a good salesperson to a very good artist um, because they're able to understand the whole picture or create a final product. So, and what, so I guess at some point in time you transitioned into the sales side of things. Yeah. So, uh, there's a great story of simply picking up a company car, uh, from an employee and then keeping that car and, and, and falling into the regional sales uh, position of a territory. So I transitioned, um, Maybe the hardest transition, uh, the biggest leap uh, was going from uh, engineering into sales uh, mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of, um, there, there really is a hard education for sales. Uh, I think engineering, we all learned fundamentals and the equation works itself out and we know, right, sales doesn't necessarily have a an exact education level for it. So as we went back to, it's more of an art artist or a flowing type of evolvement. So I think, you know, the tips there is you have to always try something new and little and apply it when um, it works and use it, you know? So even in today's world, I think there's so much interaction with everyone as, uh, sales is being, you know, still a personal level, one-to-one -one level. Mm -hmm. And I think you always have to just kind of put that person first. It really is about the other person. And so, you know, whether it's the idea of, hey, I was just thinking about you today. I know that there's this unique product uh, that's out there that might be available that would work great for your organization or something that just kind of personalizes the touch a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for like, for myself, like starting, starting this company, that's when I became a sales guy. <laughs> Which, Absolutely. I advise people that they should probably take a sales position and, and do that for a year or two before starting a, a company. Um, unless you have Great. a buddy, 
unless you have a buddy who's going to be the sales guy for your company um, and, and join with you. Because you quickly learn uh, a lot about sales and survival when uh, you're doing it for yourself. So um, yeah. that's absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And like, so like, that's kind of where I've just, I've dove back into more so uh, within the company. I handle, I'm, I'm involved in almost all of our sales and, and quoting processes. Um, but I spent a lot of, a lot of my time in the past here with marketing and kind of just let sales kind of do its, its thing on the front end. And, uh, you know, so now I'm diving back into sales. And it's kind of funny because like at one point in time, sales was like me, like I'm on LinkedIn trying to find people and, and reach out to them. And, and now it's like <laughs> sales is, is an actual department. Now, now we're like building out like process flows of like, how do we handle our, our customers in a way that like they feel comfortable in a way that like, we're not, we're not handing people off, right? Like how can I always be the contact for, for our customers and, and not be passing them around to different individuals within our team. And especially as we grow and hire more sales individuals, um, like how do we maintain that? So like I'm spending a lot of my time in that area right now of like, how do we maintain, maintain like the best customer relation we can have yet still do that while growing? Very tough challenge. Uh, you know, I think everyone always thinks when they say sit in sales, sky's the limit, um, but there really becomes some time boundaries on what one person can actually do. So yeah. then it becomes, you know, honing your efficiency in, in the daily in the daily process and operation. And certainly half of the uh, importance of a business owner is is hiring good employees around you. And if you have teammates uh, that you completely trust and that, that can do it, you you know, run those departments, you certainly have time to focus uh, on new product and even customer relations. The customer relations are the most important part of our business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like for like some transparency and I think a good piece of value is like one of the way that we're, one of the ways we're structuring that is if, if I'm the person uh, talking to the customer or another sales rep is the person talking to the customer, how do we maximize that sales reps? time uh by either leveraging the help of other employees where like sales reps can have assistance and stuff like that uh to make sure that that that, that sales rep can have the most face time with a customer or on-site time at their facility like how can we uh you know maximize that person's time and minimize any wasted time that they have throughout any of their sales process right Gro growth is one of the hardest um, but most important parts of the company, right? It's hard because it forces change to processes that you've used to get to that point. So you've already said, I've had to change some processes or flow or the way we think, think about things. And that's certainly uh, an important thing to recognize is, you know, there are, we've always thought there are two companies, right? There's growth mode and then there's the flat line. And we always know that flat turns into downward trends. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> what are some other things that you feel like helped you out through your sales process? Because I, like you said, that's a hard transition going from engineering into the sales. It, it's really hard. Um, I think a few tips are a be confident in your organization and certainly recognize that a team in, in today's world, we recognize so many people that go from, 
company to company to company to company, and we see that. And so now uh, product A was the best, but product B is better, product C. And so there's some validity loss in that individual. But at the end of the day, you have to sell the organization. You have to trust your organization. And so for me, it was understanding that being in the front lines and the product that I'm representing really is representing a team behind me that's going going to absolutely give the customer the experience that we look for, which is uh, in stock spare parts, uh, service technicians available for immediate uh, help, customer service, and so on and so forth. So trusting a team and promoting the team and recognizing the network behind you is really um, super important from a sales standpoint. Yeah, I, I 100% agree because like, one of so like i i was one of those people that like really didn't like sales individuals and didn't like sales in general like uh and especially like somebody who's like pushy sales and like i've i've actually came to like an awakening of like to some degree i understand pushy sales if it truly adds more value to the customer that they like that they wouldn't pull the trigger if there wasn't that push to sell um right and and I think that can be really valuable. You, you can sell, hard sell somebody and it actually be a valuable thing. Uh, I'm not good at this yet. I don't know how to do this, but <laughs> I, I, I want to figure it out. And this is why I want to figure it out uh, is because like there's been like maybe some instances in our business where there's some outside service trying to sell their services to us. And, and, you know, maybe I turn it down, I turn it down. And then there's this one that comes along and they kind of push us into doing something like, okay, cool. We'll do it. We'll try it for a month or two. And if it works out, then we'll keep doing it. If not, then we'll, we'll shut it down. Um, and some of those processes have actually worked out really well, you know? And, and then on the flip side of like thinking about that, like with our company, like one of the objectives in the name of our company at lead automation was like to strive to like provide the best services, the best systems, things like that. And, um, you know, if we're going to provide systems of, of that level, then we need to be able to sell them as if they are at that level. Right. Like, right. Um, and not be, be sold to in the sense of like this project, this, this product is not right for us when it, in all reality, it is right for somebody. So, you know, one more tip in that, I think we've tried to maybe soften the blow on the whole salesman title or imagery and really at the end of the day try to leave the customer with the term trusted advisor mm. and the trusted advisor certainly is somebody that's there always for you maybe the solution is not in our back pocket today but we might know the solution that we can lead you to and maybe we have the solution and so if you can always provide trust and really nothing more than just educating the customer, that's, that's kind of what we've crafted ourselves towards. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Maybe we need to be more pushy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, I think that I see, I could, I see for like the first time in my life, like where the pushiness can be valuable. I think that um, it, it's like, cause also if you think back, like, I don't want to dive into it too much, but like if you think on like some customers, I'm sure you have these type of customers where like maybe they have zero level of automation. So automation is a scary thing for them, right? Whereas like, you know, in your mind, like, guys, you have to do this. Like this is the process that you have to do. Um, and, you know, because my personal philosophy on automation is that like the companies who don't automate will be the companies that don't survive into the future. 
just because five like, years, yeah, they're, they're gone. That's the flow of, of how everything's going to work. Um, you know, everything always gets easier, more efficient, and if and if the process is not doing that, then well, it's going, it's on the downtrend. Um, <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, this last two or three years has been kind of an amazing look back over what's transpired um, in the U.S. And I'm really not providing any secrets at this point. I think we all really recognize what happened. And so a product that we sell is very easy level integration. It's a, it's a day and a half installation. It can provide unattended production. However, if it's not there, uh, it certainly makes things harder. And so with the lack of people in COVID, we've actually experienced kind of a, a short-term digress. And what I mean by that is uh, sometimes we find ourselves heavily involved in these exotic interfaces where people want data. And so five years ago, people wanted all kinds of data, data, data. They didn't know what they wanted it for. They just wanted data. And so those systems became super complex and there's a lot of pushing and pulling, common variable uh, uh, dimensions that were, were laying, you know, fields were laying values in. And I think when COVID happened and it pulled that human factor out of, out of, the, out of the shop and when people stopped relying on people and realized that automation was the way to go, it kind of digressed because all of a sudden it scared everyone so much that now they're forced to do it and they want to start in incrementally small. So what we used to do five years ago we'll be doing again, but we've went back to give me the simplest, easiest thing you have mm -hmm. so that I can just get things going in, yep. in, in, in automation. And yep. it's really America's in a great position, certainly for the foreseeable future of the next decade or so, because there are so many things that we never thought we would be remaking uh, in America. Whether well, you can pick the easiest part, whether it's a lug nut on a car or whatever, that work was gone and has returned. And it's because automation is now made us very, very um, competitive out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you really think about it, like the reason the reason we are you know offshoring things is because essentially our labor expenses, right? We have one of the highest uh, expense laborers in the entire world, um, and and you know whenever you put a robot to it. Well, the, the labor for a robot in America is the same for the labor of a robot in, in Mexico or whatever other country. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and our products the same. I think what's uniquely happened is, uh, you know, our products has fulfilled that uh, lower cost person that maybe became a very challenging person to hire that now that company can focus on a higher wage person for higher level functions of the company. And so people are trusting automation. We will win. One hundred percent. So, did you did you think that uh, you would have a career in automation? Um, you know what? I don't think the word automation twenty six years ago is really what it is today, mm -hmm. uh, and it's certainly uh, did to answer your question. No, I did not think I would have a career in automation. Um, but it's gotten so powerful and really it's a, such a necessity that I think there is so much opportunity for the industry as a whole to take advantage of automation. It's, it's day to day. It's, it's really a necessity and it's now 
becoming part of our personal lives, right? It's no longer a way of manufacturing or our job and career. It's a way of our personal life now. So think about the automation that the average human has brought into, into their, their personal mm-hmm. life, whether it's the robot cleaner, uh, the lawnmower, whatever it may be, yeah. it's all uh, for efficiency and time. And, and Yeah, absolutely. I, it's probably a matter of time before we end up having having humanoid robots in our in our houses um you know we i use google home google everything all the google products you can think of um you know you you have tesla doing autonomous driving like i mean 10 years from now these things are going to be so so advanced that they can have conversations with you uh you hopefully they by then they probably figured out the mechanics and uh of of being able to have humanoid robots who are and then with ai uh can actually perform tasks and maybe they're doing our laundry at some point in time. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's super fascinating. I think I'll always be fascinated with automation. Absolutely. It just, it, it, it really, all you have to do is look in five year increments and go back five years and look at what we've done to move yourself five years forward, but doing an exponential factor to really recognize we're in some incredible times with, with software and capabilities. And really at the end of the day, look at the manufacturing parts that, um, that, that are, that are here. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have a, a heart stent laying on my desk. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? It's just, uh, that's, yeah. it's incredible how. And like you said, like also like the exponential curve of it, it like automation wasn't even really called automation 26 years ago. And, you know, really like reliable six axis robots. I mean, that was around kind of the birth of, of robots then. Sure. I mean, what I think that we around that time was when we was transitioning from like hydraulic to electric, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit. And, and really, I mean, a, a lathe spindle was belt driven, you know, now it's an integral driven sprint. It's just amazing the amount of, uh, change that occurs so quickly. And I think that's an important part, you know, to, to kind of take home here and that's change is necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a point that we make very clear at edge technologies is the answer we never want to hear is because we've always done it that way. That is the, that's ultimately wrong. And so we're always open for change. Um, for advancement of 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 the operation, absolutely. What are some uh, What are some valuable points that you could give to somebody looking to get into our industry, and maybe maybe if they're even to looking to get a, into a position at Edge Technologies? Yeah, that's great. Two two great questions. Number one, it is uh, certainly a fast paced um, industry. And it's completely different than anything that really I understand. And when I talk to neighbors that are maybe in insurance or real estate or any type of other thing, I'm not really sure when they say they have a tangible product, I understand what that is. I understand when my customer makes a tangible product, we can hold it in our hand and it's going to advance a healthcare situation, an automotive or or whatever. So most importantly, is that you have to craft your skill set. So 
it takes some time and patience for progress, whether that's on yourself personally or within an operation. And I think the biggest tip is to have a great uh, relationship with your direct supervisor, whether you both people always have to understand where they are. I need more to grow. I need more to do. I don't understand this and I need assistance to getting there. And as long as both people understand and there's patience, certainly every operation has room for growth and um, honing your skill and really getting good before you take the next step. And we all know the building blocks that it does take some time um, to get good at things, but it, it's, it's patience uh, is, is necessary. That's the big tip. In regards to edge, we have two fundamentals to hire a lifelong employee. And the secret sauce is effort and attitude. If you have the effort, in a positive attitude, you will stay employed with this company forever and ultimately grow with the company. And um, it's just, I think, you know, in today's world, a lot of people put a lot of focus on training. It's super important. We ask the employee that they bring the DNA makeup to us and a lifestyle that uh, will give them a clear mind for eight hours and we will give them everything else they have. So if you were to uh, indeed edge, in a situation, I think our, we think we have problems that you can help us solve. And that's kind of the relationship we like to have. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I think having those like key, key uh, indicators that you're looking for, for to bring people onto your company is super important. Like one of the big things that drove me to become where I'm at today is, is add more value to, the, to everybody than uh, in, more than anybody else around you. So like that was one of the big things. So like always add value. Um, Perfect. And, and and also like operating in a way that like I'm the owner of whatever the thing is that I'm doing. And those mentalities give you the ability to your decisions are completely different when you think in those ways. I agree. Two great philosophies. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any last valuable points for the, for the audience today? Oh man, uh, really, I wasn't prepared for the, uh, the closing statement, but I think at the end, uh, we should always be open, um, for new ideas, new ways of creating things, new ways of doing things. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I would ever expect that we would have, I don't know, 20 3D printers laying around a place like this now that are almost like on everybody's desk for prototype parts just when we want to see. It's so easy to see if something wants to, to fit or, or make before we do. It's unbelievable. So I would say certain, certainly lead with technology, whether it's a business owner, um, uh, a person in a department, a new tool, a new idea. I think, you know, at the end of the day, lead and think technology and uh, we'll all be in this together for success america will be a very powerful manufacturing uh, country much stronger than we are now in five years i agree i agree well thank you i appreciate you being here with us today rick absolutely uh, if there's any other things that you'd like to to mention before we go you can feel free to do so um 
yeah, I think we're good. I mean, that was okay. It's always it's always fun to share uh, similar stories. Again, I think we've said it twice already. We we need each other. Everybody has to work together to succeed, and that's that's a big change. Is uh, when companies start thinking about um, embracing technology and using other you know the supply chain and other suppliers to give their customer the best solution. It's a it's a win win. Absolutely. Where can people find you guys at? I'm sorry. Where can people find you guys at? So if you're looking for our physical location, we would be uh, in the greater St. Louis, Missouri. That's where our, our core, where, that's where our operation is, our headquarters, where we kind of build the product and also ship from. We've got eight offices across the country for sales and services. Uh, if you're looking for the digital find, it's certainly www.edgetechnologies.com. Uh, so awesome. Well, thank you, Rick. I appreciated having you on today. Absolutely. We, we're, we're glad to be here. I hate time dating things, but uh, it's certainly as we get to the year end here, it's uh, it's always got its challenges for everyone. But we're, we're there now at this point. So absolutely. Um, definitely a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's to you. And to Merry all Christmas, and Happy New Year's <laughs> and all the happy holidays that may may cover for everyone. So. Absolutely.